1945, World War II officially ended. The atom bomb devastated the homeland of the empire, and the strongholds of the Axis around the world had been broken. The victory was won. However, a small group of scattered troops across the South Pacific continued to engage in guerrilla warfare. So even though the victory was won, the battle still continued. And the bullets were real. And so was the opportunity to lose your life. And many did. Thousands did. Waiting for the allies to bring them home. You know, today we're in the same type of time spiritually where the epic battle of rebellion and pride waged by Satan and his fallen angels against the heavenly kingdom has already been decided. The victory was won at the cross. Yet today, Satan and his minions continue to engage us in spiritual battles. So even though the penalty for sin for all people in all times was broken and evil and darkness's grip on our earth has been gone, we are still engaged by the enemy. And we must be ready. So our commander calls us to be equipped and prepared, standing firm in the Lord and his goodness so that when the enemy attacks, we'll be ready. And in the end, we can stand firm. But Lord God, why not just come now? On some of the islands in the South Pacific, the enemy was so entrenched that they were going to have to bomb the whole island. And so when Allied troops heard about that, they began going to the civilians and calling them and gathering them and saying, come on, come to our base, come with us. When the allies come, we'll take you home. God loves everyone. And everyone that is willing to love him, he wants to take home. And just like the civilians that were there, God wants to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to get to know him and not die in the destruction of the bomb, but has the chance to come home with him. The Bible is very clear that Jesus won't return and the end of the earth won't come until we're able to share the gospel from here all the way to the ends of the earth so that everybody will have the opportunity to know him, have a relationship with him, and go home with him to eternity. God desires that none should perish but all should have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for loving us despite of us and for the gift that you gave, which was your son, who came down and left the comforts of heaven and went into this earth of a slum, lived a sinless life, and then chose to die for us so that we wouldn't have to pay sin's penalty. Now, Lord God, I just pray that we might accept that, all that you've done for us, and that we might clearly today equip ourselves and be prepared to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Good morning, City Church family. My name is Richard Miles, and I'm one of the deacons here. It's such a privilege to serve you. So I look across this room, and man, it's probably the most full I think I've ever seen it. You know, I, I'm, I'm so excited about City Church and the way that we have set up such a special environment that everyone from anywhere can come here and be welcome. You know, I think about it wasn't that long ago where it was my first day, and I got welcomed with open arms, I got a hug, I got smiles, I got handshakes, but to some degree before I even made it to my seat. And so you know, if you're here, especially if you're here for the first time, let me be the first to say to you, welcome home. We are so glad you're here. And today I brought with me a, a very special guest. Uh, it's, he's a close brother in the Lord. He's a great friend, and we've had the opportunity to work together now for a few years, and I've got to know his story, and wow, what a powerful story. I'm so glad he came today. He served in the U.S. military and was deployed to both Iraq and Afghanistan, and today he's here to share with us what it's like to live and operate in a war zone. So without any further ado, can you help me give a big city church welcome to my friend, Staff Sergeant Robert Little. Amen. Thank you. Man, brother. That was awesome. Thank you so much for coming out today and your willingness to share your story and your experiences. Um, I know at times it, it may not be easy to think of, let alone share in front of a group of hundreds of people. Uh, but what you shared with me has already had a powerful impact on my life, and I think it will for us as well. Um, Operation Iraqi Freedom, it uh, began in 2003, and uh, just a few months after, the U.S. Army and allies swept into the country, the capital was taken, and the dictator was deposed. But in 2009, when Robert was deployed there, the battle still raged on, right? It was still a real war zone. Oh, yeah, every day. So, Rob, could you just tell us for a minute, what was your experience in the war zone, and, and what were some of the challenges that you saw to operating in a war zone? Well, certainly. First, um, I'll take you back very quickly. Um, I just got out of training, uh, basic training, AIT. Then you get orders to what your first uh, duty station is going to be. And I've, mine was Fort Lewis, Washington. So I was born and raised in Florida, lived in Florida my whole life, and now they're sending me <laughs> halfway across the country. I had to pick up the wife, three kids, uh, go over there. As soon as I get there, they got me assigned to my first unit, and they said, oh, by the way, we deploy in four weeks to Iraq. Um, now, my background, my training is uh, field artillery. And so I was expecting a field artillery uh, mission. They said, no, we're not really doing that anymore. We're doing, we're doing infantry. So we're going, and, and all the guys that you're going with, they've been training for the last year uh, for this mission, specifically for this mission. And so now I'm leaving for the first time um, outside of the country, going to a war zone, um, you know, with a bunch of guys that I still, I didn't know, and I, I was not um, best equipped for that. Uh, that particular mission, so I had to learn quickly. 
um, very much so. But really, when when once we get there, so I'm you know in Iraq, and and this would go for Afghanistan as well. But when you're there, it's about the unknown. It's about not knowing what's around the next corner, what's around the next bend. Um, you know, you 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 drive down the road constantly uh, looking. You're constantly looking at the side of the road. You're, you're wondering if, if you're going to get ambushed, if there's going to be sniper fire. You have reports of other units that have uh, gotten attacked at this certain area. So, um, you know, when you're going through there, you're, you're definitely apprehensive and, and you're, you know, you're, you're trying to um, figure out what, what are you going to do and, you know, what if this happens, what if this happens, what if that happens. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's trying to overcome your, your internal fear. Um, and, uh, and stay focused on, on the mission and, and accomplish that every day. Wow. So when I read into that a little bit, what it seems like uh, one of the points I hear you saying is that it, it's not a matter of if you're going to get attacked, but when you're going to get attacked. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, it, it, we knew it was inevitable that we were going to get attacked in one way or another. Um, you know, there's a lot of different jobs that you do. But what, what we were doing um, in Iraq, and then I, I did do an artillery mission in Afghanistan. Um, uh, you knew that you were going to get attacked. There's so many ways. They have they have uh, roadside bombs um, that can go off. They have sniper fire. They have small armed ambushes uh, that can happen. You have uh, even when you're on base and you think you're safe, you're done, you're back from mission, then you hear this this siren go off. That means that there's an incoming mortar round that's going to hit somewhere on this base and you don't know where it's going to hit. And, um, you know, for artillery, um, we're the ones that return that fire. And so Afghanistan, when we would get incoming, most people are running to um, a shelter. They're running to the bunkers. Um, but for, for us, for artillery, we're, we're running to put our gear on to go back out to the gun um, because very shortly, within a few seconds, they will know exactly where that was fired from, and we will be able to return fire uh, if we got that order. So it was definitely a little extra um, when you heard that siren because we're not going for cover. We're not in an under, under any cover. Um, and, um, you know, unfortunately, in an instance like that, it was actually at a, it was, it was our guys, but they were at a different fob. Uh, but they went out to return uh, that fire, and a mortar ended up hitting the gun line, and we lost uh, two soldiers from that. So, you know, as I'm sitting here even now, it's, 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 it's hard for me to sit still as I, as I hear this. Um, but I'm so glad that the Lord brought you home safely back here to us today. Thank you. Thank you. So what, what were some of the things that you did to help overcome those challenges? Well, first and foremost, um, in the military, they, you train. And you train and you train and you train. And when you're done training, then you start training some more. You continue to train until everyone, it's muscle memory. Everybody knows exactly what's going to happen, and you train for all those different scenarios. So we look at every, every possible scenario that we can, um, and, and, and we train for it, and we continue to train for it. Not only training individually so that you know as an individual soldier what you need to do, um, but also as a team. And we work together as a team, and, and you're only as strong, it's so true, you're only as strong as that person to your left or your right. And so everybody gave 110%. And it didn't matter where your background was, what color your skin was, anything. We were all there for one another. Um, and that's what helped Amen. us get through for sure. Amen. Amen. So. I'll turn your attention for just a moment. There's going to be a couple pictures on the screen. Maybe you can describe what's going on there a little bit. Yeah, so that, that top picture there would be like uh, you're, you're getting ready to leave for deployment. 
Um, so you, you have a, a lot of gear that you have to go through, and, and we, we call it, um, you know, once you get into combat, uh, pre-combat checks, so PCCs and PCIs, pre-combat inspections. And uh, the one there on the bottom, you can see um, that Protecting soldier's that being... next slide, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so th there's a picture on top. You can see that soldier's being inspected probably by his, uh, one of his leaders, um, making sure that you have all of your gear on before you go outside. Because it's not that you're safe inside, what we call inside the wire, but when you go outside the wire, outside of your base, um, again, you know that at any point in time you can get attacked and you're not sure how. Um, so the Army, you know, thank goodness, gives us this armor. Now, they give us the, a Kevlar to protect our heads. They give us uh, an IOTV with uh, a breastplate and a backplate and side plates to protect our, our uh, vital organs. Um, they uh, are even our uniforms are flame retardant. So if you, you know, unfortunately are, are in somewhere where there's a fire, your, your uniforms won't catch on fire. You get uh, gloves, eye pro, um, knee pads, elbow pads, um, all of these things that you put on and you want to make sure um, that you are prepared and ready to go out. And then finally you have your weapon system. So you have whatever weapon you have. Um, you know, we never want to have to use it. Uh, certainly, you, you just want to go out and not see anything and be able to come back safely. Um, but you need to always be prepared to have your weapon, and so we do pre-functions checks on our weapon systems to make sure that they're, they're functioning and that we have a full combat load uh, in case we got, because uh, at any point they could, they could hit two vehicles and you're stuck out there for 30, 45 minutes before we can get back up out there. Um, so and you want to be ready. Quick response for it. Yes, you, you've got to be ready to go. So I think I hear you saying over and over and over again, you got to be prepared. You got to train yes. and you got to be ready for whatever comes your way. And that difference in your training and preparation could be the difference between life and death. Certainly. Yeah, certainly. If, um, you know, for instance, if, if we're riding in a five truck convoy <clears throat> and truck number two gets hit by an IED and our and our team doesn't know what to happen or what to do. If truck one doesn't know what to do, if truck three and four and five don't know where to go, if we don't already have set up who's going to be uh, the Kazivac uh, vehicle, um, if we don't know how to call in a nine line if we needed uh, to get air support to come airlift somebody out, um, people are going to die when they don't have to. Um, so we, that's, that's why we train. We train and we train so that we know exactly what to do um, when that happens. And, uh, you know, you have the, the smoke of, of battle. When it starts going, um, it's very surreal. Um, you know, you're like, is this really happening? Yep, it's, it's really happening. So, but then it goes right back to training. After that few seconds that you realize what's happening, it goes right back to your training. Okay, that just happened. Truck two just got hit by an IED. We know we're in truck four. We know where we need to be, who's going to do what, who's calling this up, where the security needs to be. Um, it, we already knew what happened, and we were able to do that and get those guys out safely. So. Wow. so the Bible says that this is my command, that you love others as I have loved you. And greater, no greater, lo greater love have no man than this, than you lay down your life for your friends. Robert, thank you so much. Thank you.
This week, please make sure that you continue to keep Robert and his family in prayer. They're uh, sitting up here, his, his beautiful wife and daughter. Uh, give them a hug. Let them know that you love them before you leave today. Um, he is still a part of the uh, Army Reserves and the National Guard and uh, could be deployed. He's uh, uh, sacrificed and, and given so much of his life in order to protect the freedoms that all of us here can enjoy. Uh, today, we're in part two of our series, The Invisible War. And uh, last week, Pastor did a great job of helping us to understand that even if we're not in a physical war zone, there is a spiritual battle raging. We were born into a spiritual war zone. Our key verse last week was from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, and it says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We must be prepared. Today our focus is how do we prepare for spiritual battle? Our key scripture is going to be found just a little farther down in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 15. So if you can turn with me right now to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 and 15, and then stand and join me in honor of the reading of God's word. And the Bible says, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that we will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Uh, how much of the armor should we be putting on? Oh, all of it. You better believe that if I'm in Robert's position, I am putting on every piece of armor that the U.S. Army gave me. I'm making sure it's fastened on tight. I'm making sure that everything's in the right spot. I'm making sure that it works. I'm making sure that I know how to use it so I can be ready when the attack comes. And then I, I like the second part of the verse. It says, then after the battle, you will still stand or you will still be standing firm. You know, in the movies, I don't really like when people tell me the ending, but, you know, this is one exception here. I love knowing this, that if I follow God's commands and I prepare myself as he asked me to, when the battle's over, I will still be standing firm. You may be seated. So what is this armor that we're called to be equipped with? Well, today we're going to talk about three different pieces of armor. And then tomorrow, or excuse me, next Sunday, in part three of our series, we'll hear about the next three pieces of armor. But beginning in verse 14, the Bible says, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Let's arm ourselves. The first piece is the belt of truth. Why is that so important? Well, the devil's first attack on mankind was actually deception and a lie. Some of you may remember back from the Garden of Eden that his lie led us to run from God and hide and blame one another. And you know what? His lies still remain one of his primary weapons today. 
In the criminal justice system, it's really important to know whether someone is lying or telling the truth. So over the years, many experts have looked at that to see if they can help determine if someone's lying or telling the truth. They've looked at things like eye movements and body language, uh, the rate of your speech, even your temperature. And nowadays, they have these sophisticated machines that will look at, you know, 20, 30 different points, any flinch, any movement, any change in heart rate to try to see and determine if you're lying to them. But the Bible says that there's only one way to know with absolute certainty if someone is lying to you. See, all these techniques and tests have been beaten at some point. But the Bible says there's one way to know with absolute certainty if someone is lying to you. You know the truth. The truth of who God is and that he loves you. You can find that in his Bible, in his word. And he says that he wants to be in a relationship with you so much that he was willing to send his one and only son to come to earth and die for you. And now the battle has been won and you can have a relationship with him. And he calls us with that empowerment now to live open and honestly with God and man. So, so why do we need the belt of truth? Well, at times we may be thinking this. You know, all right, if, if I study real hard, if I focus, if I learn all that I can, I, I can do this thing on my own. Or maybe we're thinking, you know what? I don't really have time to study and prepare right now. You know what? I'm, I'm really busy. I'm just going to figure it out as I go along. Uh-oh. Maybe you like that beat. Money, power, respect. That's what I need in life. Right? I have made so many mistakes. I still can't even really control myself. How could God possibly want me? Thank you, Lord, for the cross. All my mistakes are already taken care of. All of sin's penalty is already done. All I have to do is accept and believe. I rebuke the devil's lie in the name of Jesus. In Psalms chapter 139, verse 23, the Bible says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out to me anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Church, why don't you with me right now next to you, grab your belt of truth and start putting it around your waist right now. Everybody here, grab your belt of truth and start putting it around your waist right now. Yeah, that's right, get it tight. You know, in, in, in the battle, a belt 
probably doesn't seem that important. You know, we think that maybe the best it does is hold up our pants until we realize that it also supports our armor. And it's where we often carry our weapons. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to strap on your belts of truth. The second piece of armor that we have today is the body armor of righteousness. Or some of you may have been reading a classic version like I did for many years, the breastplate of righteousness. You know, righteousness seems like a big word, and it is, but it, it simply means to do what's right. To do what's right in God's sight. You know, for many years, I didn't always have living righteously as one of my top priorities. I grew up in Detroit, and there's a lot of things that I think about to this day I, I wish I had never done. But thank the Lord, somewhere along the line, when I opened my heart, the Lord poured into me a desire to live righteously. And you know what I like about doing what's right? You know, even just, like, not breaking the law. You know what I like about it? I don't have to run. I don't have to hide. I don't have to lie. I don't have to worry, when am I going to get caught? Is it today or tomorrow? I'm free. I'm free to come and to go. I'm free to rest. I'm free to pursue my, my goals and my dreams. I'm free to carry out the mission that God has for me. All right, don't be slow, guys. Let's get to it quickly. Let's put on our body armor of righteousness. Because, you know, we have to be prepared. Because the devil will try to deceive us. You know what, if, you know, if we just move in together now, we can save a lot of money for the wedding. I'm already married, by the way. I'm already, already married. I, I know, I know it seems like what I did was bad, but look at what he just did. And again, this is random pointing. I'm not nothing prophetic against my brother. He actually cuts my hair. I love him. He gets, keeps it tight. No harm in just chatting with her on Facebook, right? James chapter 4, verse 17 says this, Therefore, to the one who knows what is right to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. You know, sin is a word that we often hear in church, but probably we rarely see defined. But I like the meaning that we get from this verse. Sin is just simply not doing what's right. Not doing what's right 
in God's sight. So how do we make sure that that breastplate that we just put on that is firmly fastened? We read his word. We fast. We pray. We come to a church like this where the Holy Spirit is moving and we can learn from a pastor that's probably had far more experience in that walk than we have or can spend extra time devoted to studying his word and then sharing it with us, where we can encourage one another and be uplifting, we can be there when one of us stumbles or falls. You know, we protect our vital organs, our integrity, our character, our testimony by simply doing what's right. But this next one I think the young people here will probably like. Yeah, y'all in the shoes. Y'all in the shoes. The latest Jordans are the latest thing, right? A little different, but a lot better. The third thing we're going to put on is the shoes of the gospel or the good news of peace. See, we are at peace with God because of what Christ did. Fact. And others can be too. But you know, nevertheless... Satan tries to do anything he can to cast doubt at that. How? Well, maybe you're not exactly sure what the Bible says about that. Or, you know, that latest teaching, that sounds pretty good. That's, that's probably it. I heard the gospel, but I'm just not sure that's completely true. We need to read it. We need to meditate on it. We need to receive it. God has given us his word, and I love it. It so simply says that, for it is by grace we have been saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is a gift from God not by works that no one can boast. You didn't earn it, and Satan can't take it away. Romans 8.38 Romans 8, continues by saying, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the gospel is related to shoes because once we receive it, we're asked to go and share it. The prophet Isaiah said it much better than I could. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation the news that the God of Israel, our God, reigns. You know, tomorrow, across this country, we'll celebrate the work of Dr. Martin Luther King, who after much prayer and preparation, armed himself and stood with others to defy one of Satan's greatest lies that because we come from different cultures or our skin color is different, 
which by the way, you can get a Planet Fitness membership for like $20 a month, five sessions in a tanning booth, and you can look like me. For my brother Robert, it'll probably only take three. Or I can, I can go on a quick sun diet for about three weeks, right? You know, Rob, why don't we go ahead and just split the difference, man? You take two weeks in the booth, I'll take two weeks out the sun, and we'll just get it done. <laughs> Lie. Whether our skin color is different, our stature, or we live in different neighborhoods, or speak different languages, the devil wants us to believe that now we're enemies, and we have to fight for the world's power, wealth, and glory. But Dr. King, after reading the Bible and spending time with God in prayer, knew that we were all created in God's image that we're all sons and daughters of one family designed to cooperatively work together for the greater good and a life with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says it like this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are black, some are white, some are poor, some are rich, some are slave, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body, one spirit. And later he continues but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. You are not here today by accident. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but just one body. So Dr. King, armed with that information, organize a peaceful movement to share the good news across the country and defy Satan's greatest lie, unifying us as one body in Christ. You know, and let us not forget that the last thing our Lord and Savior Jesus did before he ascended to heaven was to promise us a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And shortly after he ascended, there was a body of believers gathered in prayer in an upper room. And the Bible says, as surely as he said it, the Holy Spirit came in like a powerful whirlwind and it filled those believers. And now they were in a major city in Jerusalem, a very diverse one. And when people heard all the commotion, they ran over and they went to try to see what is this all about. And when they arrived, there was believers speaking in different languages, languages they formerly didn't know, sharing the great things that God has done 
in his desire to have a relationship with them in their own language so they could understand. See, the first act of the Holy Spirit was to unite people of different nations, generations, and cultures into one body in Christ. And so, too, it is for us today. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you have been called to one hope, you are called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, one who is over all, and through all and in all. Every believer was given the Holy Spirit to do the same. To share the goodness of God and the opportunity to be united in him. So how do we practically do that? You know, as I was praying and thinking about this for a moment, two things came to me. One, we could begin just here. You know, when this service is over, I'm sure there's someone here at City Church that you don't know or you don't know that well. You could simply go up and share with them one good thing that God has done to encourage them and to uplift them and let them know that the Lord loves them. And you know, after sharing that here today and feeling a little more confident with some prayer and preparation tomorrow on Dr. Martin Luther King Day, you could do the same thing for one person in the community. You could find just one person that you know or maybe don't know that well or haven't shared your God story with before. And then you can share with them one thing that God has done and how he loves them. You know, if, if you're not sure what to say or who to share it with, we'll pray about that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to make sure that something is clear. This message and being armed is for the believer. For individuals that have dedicated their life to Christ and have joined the army of the Lord. And you know what? If you're here today and you don't want to be a civilian just caught in the middle, unarmed, and you want to have a relationship with Christ and receive the gift that he so generously paid for you, I want everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. that's you today and you're tired of trying to do this thing on your own and you don't want to be in the army of darkness you want the everlasting light that Christ has prepared and you want him to arm you and receive the victory that's already planned on a count of three with every eye closed and every head bowed if that's you I'm going to ask you to raise your hand simply so I can pray with you. 
One, two, three. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand and your hand. Put your hands down. I love to come alongside you and support you. And one way I can do it is by simply just asking you to repeat after me in this prayer so that we can confess with our heart that we do want Jesus Christ to be our Lord. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for your gift of your son. We dedicate our life to you today. We want to be in relationship with you. Now, Lord, would you arm us? Would you prepare us so that we can stand firm in your mighty strength against the enemy's attacks? And be standing strong when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to take us home. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you've done. And thank you for what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord some praise? last few remaining moments, I'd ask you once again to close your eyes and just think about our charge. Who can I share that with today? Lord, what would you like me to say? You know, maybe you simply want to say the next person that I shake their hand or the person behind me I'm going to share Maybe the Lord's putting on your heart. There's that young person I've been meaning to talk to. I'm going to talk to them today. Or that gentleman, I've seen him at church for several weeks, and I still don't know his name. And what am I going to share? Maybe I might simply share what's happened here where people from different cultures and backgrounds and socioeconomic statuses are, have come together to worship one God, to encourage one another and enjoy the fruit of what he's blessing us to do. Or maybe it's your testimony or your story of your first encounter with God. Lord, reveal to us what we should say. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes.